Oh yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the podcast. This is I Am In My 20s and I Own a Mic. This episode, we're going to dive into the awesome, wonderful world of jazz music. Jazz music is absolutely an interpretive art form. It takes a special kind of talent and someone that is dedicated to practice day in and day out to master. Jazz was born in the early 20th century, and its roots can be found in musical traditions of both Africa and Europe. From African music, jazz got its rhythm and feel, blues quality, and tradition of playing an instrument in your own expressive way, making it an extension of your own human voice. From European music, jazz got its harmony, that is the chords that accompany the tunes, and the instruments. Most of the instruments used in jazz originated in Europe, including the saxophone, trumpet, piano, etc. Music improvisation came from both traditions. Now, jazz music is not considered to be one of the top genres of music in today's world. Billboard chart is mostly dominated by hip-hop music, pop music, country music, and for the average listener, it's kind of hard to come across jazz in an everyday scenario. Or is it? You see, this episode of the podcast is focused around why we should care about jazz, and you'd be surprised of how much jazz has an influence in many different musical genres. To help us understand jazz music on another level, I recently was with my cousin Jeremy Siskin during Thanksgiving time, and we talked about jazz music. Jeremy is an incredible jazz musician, and a very successful jazz musician at that, and when you watch him play, you kind of question why you gave up piano in the sixth grade. And if you are wondering, yes, the music in the background of this podcast is Jeremy's work. I'm telling you, this dude's got stills. I would like to thank our next guest, Jeremy Siskin, for joining us. Jeremy is a renowned jazz musician. You want to call it that? Renowned jazz musician? Is that word? That's Yeah, that, that'll work. He uh, plays all around the world playing jazz music. I don't really want to take too much of his introduction, but Jeremy, go ahead. Tell us what you do. Um, so my full-time job is that I am a college professor. I teach uh, jazz and classical piano at Western Michigan University. Um, on top of that, I'm a freelance musician. I have a few albums out. I'm the artistic director of a piano competition. Uh, I write uh, like teaching piano books for Hal Leonard Publishing Company. Uh, and I play shows as much as I can. And how old are you? I just turned 30. Thanks for bringing it up. Well, there you go. That's accomplished to be 30 years old and be doing all that. It's so cool. So like we said, you play jazz all across everywhere. You've played, you know, big time arenas or arenas. I have not played big time in venues and then like smaller groups. So I guess just to start this out, where, just to give our audience a good idea, how far across the world have you been? And like, where did you just come back from? Yeah. So I was in Japan as of like 24 hours ago. Um, I've gotten to do a lot of stuff in Asia. I've been to China four times and to India, Thailand twice. Uh, I just did the Middle East this summer. I was in Lebanon. I've been to Colombia, uh, the country, um, and Columbia, the university. Uh, yeah, so I, I have, I've been getting a lot of opportunities, uh, to both play and then teach kind of all over the world and all over the country. Okay. So we're going to ask this to kind of start out. Why should people care about jazz music today so i feel like there's a lot of there's more music out there like than there ever has been i mean it's crazy and i actually personally l- listen to a bunch of different genres i'm there's some musicians or jazz musicians who are like purists and only listen to jazz but i I, mean, I think a lot of what's happening is awesome i think some pop music is like way more innovative today and this is kind of going off from the question but um 
you know, I think the thing that we see happening in the musical community is that everything is mixing. Um, and especially in the jazz community, like what's really exciting is that jazz is mixing a lot with neo-soul music that, you know, Erica Badu and uh, Frank Ocean are like using a lot of people from the jazz world. Um, Kendrick Lamar, and, you know, is using like all jazz musicians to produce his stuff. Um, so it's mixing with the neo-soul stuff. It's mixing with like the more folky sing- singer songwritery stuff. Um, a lot of, there's a lot of interesting collaborations happening. Um, and so I think like, we're just at this fascinating like moment of musical mixing. Um, and jazz musicians kind of get respected as in some ways, like the quintessential, like incredibly skilled musicians because, um, they have to be able to improvise. They have to know a ton about harmony. Um, they have to know a ton about rhythm because jazz rhythms are really kind of deep and, uh, share parts of the European tradition and the African tradition. So as like these really interesting collaborations happen with somebody like Kendrick Lamar, um, jazz musicians are at the center of it. Um, and so all these influences uh, between popular music, classical music, singer-songwriter, uh, R&B, hip-hop, um, jazz is going to be part of that. So when did this music obsession start? How old were you when you started playing the keys? Well, actually, it's funny. So I don't know if you mentioned this, but we're cousins. Yeah, we're cousins. And the way that I started playing piano was that your mom had a piano that she like needed storage for. At bpalubess on Instagram. <laughs> follow. It's a worthwhile follow. Um, so yeah, we just like had this piano around the house because of your mom. And uh, so my parents signed me up for lessons when I was like four. Um, and uh, I don't know, I guess this like the family story goes that I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't like pass the piano in the hallway without like playing something that it was just a magnetic thing that I took. Yeah. So let's get back to like how these performances have gone down. If you had to rank where has been the best performance that you've given, when was it? And what was, what has been your favorite? I should say, Oh man, that's really hard. I if mean, you did narrow it down, maybe two or three also. Yeah. Cause there's two different parts of that. One is like that I'm most pleased with myself and how I actually performed. And then there's like the prestige and you know what the venue was. So, um, not to name drop here, but I did get to make a solo piano debut at Carnegie Hall, which was, yeah, um, that's a cool thing to be able to say. Um, And it was a really fun concert, and uh, I was glad to be able to do it. Um, But I have a group that actually specializes in doing concerts in people's homes um, as, like, kind of an alternative venue. um, Because what what we've kind of found is that, um, that a lot of times, especially with jazz, people don't really know what it is. And so unless you're, like, a really nerdy jazz fan, you're probably not going to go to a jazz concert if you're just, like, whoever on the street. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we go to people's houses, we kind of touch all kinds of different people. So a lot of, like, for me, in terms of getting personal satisfaction out of performing, like, a lot of the performances that I've had that have meant the most to me have actually been in people's homes for much smaller audiences, you know, maybe 20 or 30 people. Yeah, very interesting. I was going to kind of bring this up as we went along, but, I mean, a lot of people, I think, kind of think that, to make it in the music world, it means that you're going to be on iTunes top 40 or you're going to be, you know, at the AMA Music Awards like we just saw. Like that is what people see as music, whereas you have a career, obviously, in a different form of music that isn't necessarily in the national spotlight. But you do have, like you said, these populations that know jazz music. So just to kind of make us kind of understand, are you kind of like a rock star in the jazz world? Do you want to say that? No, I wouldn't say that. I would say I'm on the B list. I mean, do you walk out of performances and people are like, Jeremy Siskin, oh my goodness, that you've made 
my day seeing this, like sign my chest, like things like that. Does that ever happen? <laughs> um, the, the jazz world is very different than the pop world in the sense that everybody is really accessible because nobody's maybe besides like five dudes, <laughs> like nobody's really that famous. And, you know, I could write to somebody and if I had the appropriate like performance and the appropriate money, just be like, hey, you want to come play with me on this gig? It could be somebody really famous in the jazz world and they'd probably be like okay um or you know if you want to take lessons that's a lot of what happens you know somebody um that's what happened with me i wrote to my favorite jazz pianist in the world and was like hey man i've been listening to you forever i'm gonna be in new york will you give me a lesson and he just wrote back to me it's like sure that's <laughs> so, great you know i mean imagine in the pop world if you're like justin timberlake yeah. like i want to be a singer <laughs> like hey can i come by and take a lesson but that's like kind of how it is in the jazz world are you are you trying to make it as one of the dudes in jazz is that a goal of yours? Yeah, that's a tough question um, because the music industry is changing so much um, and the jazz world is changing so much that, you know, if this were 20 years ago, I'd really want to have a record contract with a major label. And um, I, I might already have a record contract with a major label if this were 20 years ago. But now there's that's almost a non-existent thing unless you're like either a pop crossover or... You're really, really good looking. Um, which you're a good looking dude. Come well, on, you're very, you're very kind. Let's, let's just your genetics run that. well. Let me tell you that. Podcast <laughs> listeners, I'm super ripped. <laughs> uh, so you know, for me, I'm really lucky um, and really like having a professorship, and that's one. Yeah, that's, that's one awesome. version of making it. That's awesome. <laughs> like I actually have health insurance. And you see directly in front of you your own kind of work yeah you mean like in terms of the students yeah i mean you're the one influencing obviously the students do you have i mean are we talking entry level students or you like deal with all the realms like two students that are trying to be at the level you are as well yeah so uh i teach at western michigan university gil broncos uh, undefeated football team it's us in alabama just fyi (laughs) um but uh we have kind of an interesting music program uh in that it's really high quality um but we also have a lot of people studying music education and music therapy and things like that. So it does kind of run the gamut, as you described, of like people who are going to be professional musicians, people who are, you know, a lot of our alumni have become top professional musicians, um, but also pretty entry-level beginners. What I think is interesting, too, and this is something I bet you have a say in, is a lot of my friends, I, I'll play guitar sometimes around them, or I'll play, you know, piano, just fiddle around with it. Um, but they always say, you know, I'm too late to start playing an instrument. Like I'm already too deep as it is. I'm not going to have the time or I don't have the dedication to do it. But you're talking right now, you work with entry level college students, you know, do you, what would you say to those students that say that because they're what 20 in their mid twenties, that it's already too late for them to start playing an instrument? Right. I mean, so there are certain aspects that make it harder, right? Like, uh, the, the one that really gets me is that your ear apparently develops the most between like ages three and a half and five and all that muscle memory stuff like develops easier when you're younger. Right? So, you know, in a certain sense, they're not totally wrong. <laughs> um, it might take a little bit extra like practice and dedication at an older age rather than a younger age. Um, but I think it's also good because you really know what you want to do at an older age too. As like a five-year-old taking piano lessons, you're just like, mom's making me. Exactly. <laughs> I'm, okay, if I have to practice an hour a day, I will. But if you're, you know, 20-something and you're like, I really want to play this song or I want to play in this band or, you know, whatever it is, you at least have a lot of focus and you can really dedicate yourself to what you really want to do. A lot of my 
experience playing instruments is I just go on YouTube and I'm like, wow, can I, what's a tutorial that can help me out with this? But the thing is, is that's what you're around for because once you get past that first stage of just being able to play a song from a YouTube video, it's not necessarily like you know how to play that instrument. The YouTube thing is like a real double-edged sword for music education. I, I, I bet it is, yeah. Because, yeah, we do have lots of self-taught students coming in, which saves a lot of money, which is awesome. And maybe they're, they're doing something that is more self-directed rather than what a teacher would have them do. But oftentimes, there's a lot of correction that needs to happen after that. They haven't looked at their fingering, you know, or the way that they sit at the piano. Things that might get corrected at, at like, a first lesson with a teacher, really basic things. But if nobody's looking at you and able to correct those, um, they don't get corrected. The thing is, though, and I can tell you from just personal experience, like, I mean, I learned how to play, like, Piano Man. I was like, I needed to learn how to play that song. But it's not like I learned how to play scales first. I'm not going to look up and say, you know what, I need to learn scales before I can do this. It's like, no, no one's going to say that. You're not going to look how to necessarily read music. Because the problem I've run into now is I'm kind of in too deep to try to learn to read music when I play guitar. Because I've just done it so much by not having music, which is essential to being able to play yeah, an instrument. So. I mean, it's all a balance, and it depends what you want to do. If, if you like really want to play, play guitar, then yeah, you probably have to read music. But if you just want to like play in a buddy's band and, you know, be able to woo the ladies when they come over with some acoustic guitar sounds. These are all things to consider. You probably don't need to be able to read music. That's not very sexy if you have a piece of music in front of you while you're... <laughs> I gotta pull it out. Hold on a second. I need to grab my music book. <laughs> so obviously you've been around this world for quite some time, the world of jazz. Is there anything that you would like to add before we start wrapping this thing up that you think the listeners should know? I guess the other thing that occurs to me, like for people who like don't even understand like where to begin with jazz like why it's a thing <laughs> um like for me jazz is the opportunity for instrumentalists for people who don't sing or don't want to sing or won't sing like it's the main opportunity for instrumentalists to uh like do what they're amazing at mm-hmm. um and they're as great as other styles are there's not that much room for instrumentalists to really be in the spotlight so if you th- if you have some like thoughts in your head of jazz as kind of a cheesy thing as you know maybe Sinatra or like super old school Louis Armstrong or something, um, that's not always it. It's whatever an instrumentalist wants to do that involves maybe some improvisation. All right, so thank you, Jerry, for stopping by to the podcast. I'm gonna link all of Jeremy's music down below in the description of this podcast. So go ahead and check that out. It's on different platforms, I think. I've seen you on Spotify. Um, my label that's come up where my like last three albums have been on, I think is not on Spotify, but definitely on Apple music, um, iTunes, and you can see it all on jeremysiskin.com spelled like Jeremy S is kind.com. Alrighty. Thank you very much, Jeremy. Thank you, Davis. So I hope you liked that discussion. Like I said in the interview, if you want to check out any of Jeremy's music, which I very much so recommend you doing, it'll be in the description of this podcast. Great music to just sit around and vibe to. Great music to do homework to. So you should definitely check it out. Also, I'm going to start giving some shout outs at the end of these podcasts to just different kind of art around the internet that I like to see. This week, I want to shout out a dude named Prof3C spelled p-r-o-p-h the number three c-y i lived down the hall from this guy at chico state when i was in the dorms putting out some awesome hip-hop music really vibing what i'm hearing and like jeremy this guy's definitely got some skills in the music world 
As for this podcast, it is always appreciated for all the listeners. Thank you very much. It would also be appreciated if you have the time to give this podcast a rating and a review. Maybe go and tell your friends about it. Time to get the word out there. This is your boy behind the mic, Davis Bestie, otherwise known as Bid Dave, signing off for now. Good morning, good evening, and good night.